Hello, everybody. How's everybody's day? Everybody had a good lunch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feeling good? Feeling alive? Are you got anybody feeling a little bit like, man, this has been a long but great week so far? Yeah, you know, it's like, this is exciting. But, you, you know, going to Six Flags three days in a row, you're like, okay. Okay, all right, this was something. Um, my name is Kellen, and I'm the creative director uh, here at Church of the Highlands. And uh, on behalf of Church of the Highlands, we welcome you guys. And uh, we're going to have a good time. Hopefully, we're going to talk about the essentials of live production. That is the app session you guys think you're here for, right? Okay, just making sure. Um, Let me just give a little bit of context, hopefully, to help this uh, be a valuable use of everybody's time. Um, I'm not a technical person. Right. Where are my people at who are like, yes, I know that wires are a thing, but what they do when they connect with each other is like a mystery. It still feels a little bit like magic to me um, where things happen. And then, you know, because I I help serve um, here at Highlands with Pastor Chris to help produce these events, people make some assumptions that I'm also a technical person. So like, you know, what are the... uh, you know, I don't even know what the word, what do they say for the LED wall? Like the pixels is the what? The pixel pitch. It's like combining technology and baseball. You're like, what's the pixel pitch? And you're like, man, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to introduce you to somebody and they're going to, you know, I know it obviously, but I just want them. I'm trying to really be an empowering leader. And I just want them to be able to share that with you. I'm really helping them grow in their leadership right now. And uh, anyway, so, uh, but we are going to bring some technical folks up here because I know you guys might have some questions. Uh, so what I want to do is kind of keep it, I'm going to just give us some, uh, a couple principles that, that we try to employ here at the church that'll hopefully be valuable and then serve as a conversation starter for our time together in the panel when we bring in the people who actually know the things that I'll be talking about. Everybody down for this? All right. I'm excited. All right, first thing, uh, I think it's just a good place to start is this idea that principles scale. Yeah, so I think sometimes we can get focused in these production environments on the tool itself. And I think that the tool is really secondary to the principle. If we know the principle, why we use the tool, then I think it helps us unlock at different stages of the journey how we use the tool. Okay, so for us, that's big. Um, I love there's a uh, Netflix part of their culture is that they're first principle thinkers. Uh, so they want to deliver entertainment. So it used to be, remember how they got started? They delivered what? Somebody said CDs. I was like, well, kind of. Um, discs. It's so funny. I've got a you know 12 year old and a 13 year old. And when they, like, somebody said, hey, we should watch a DVD, they were literally lost and clueless of what we were discussing here. You're like, well, it's just a little round disc. It's kind of like a record. What's a record? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's laser cut. What's a laser? All right. Let's just stop. It's a thing that used to exist that no longer really serves much function. Uh, but Netflix, they had this commitment that their, their job was to l- deliver entertainment in the easiest way possible. So at first, that principle meant when they were breaking into the market that they were competing with people who you had to drive to their location and then you needed to rent a, a video. But now we could, hey, let's skip that part of the process. Let's deliver it straight to your house. And then eventually that wasn't the best way to do it. Their principle stayed the same. 
but the tool changed. So then it became streaming and then they broke into that market. And then it became, if we're going to deliver fresh content, we have to now buy it from the studios and that could limit what kind of content we can provide our customers. So instead of even in our mission to live up to this principle, instead of just letting them dictate what we can show our customers, we're actually going to spend billions of dollars on content so that we can directly provide what we believe in as a company, this first principle thinking to our customers. And we all know that it's a behemoth because of it, right? I mean, it's amazing what they've been able to accomplish. And so I think in this production, what we're going to talk about are just some of the principles, okay? The tools have changed over the years, but for us, we think that the principle, if we can understand the why, then the what and the how sometimes changes and evolves, uh, but it keeps us on track and not getting lost in the journey, so to speak, okay? Everybody buy that? Um, all right, here, go to the next. All right, this was uh, on our first year of Church of the Highlands. Um, here, turn the light off, actually. Just This will be fun. See this high-tech production that we're creating in this room right now? Um, that was really killer job on the LD over there. Uh, all right, so this is our first. Oh, go back to it. Let me. Let's just stop for a second. So this is 2001. It, do you notice any differences from what you've experienced this week to that? <laughs> Raise your hand if you noticed any differences. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because a couple of you. I guess some of you. Wow. We do have some work to do. Okay. Um, first of all, just the sheer number of people and things on the stage is remarkable. Uh, and, you know, I get that, you know, we really want you to be able to follow along with the song by giving you something to kind of digest before you sing it. But we pretty much just put the entire song on a slide. <laughs> we just said, hey, I know how they'll know the words to the song. We'll put the entire song on the screen. Uh, we've got the Korg there. We've got the choir. Oh, yeah, look at that choir. And everybody is really dressed for Sundays in 2001. And just so many guitars and bass guitars and speakers. And I think there's like some plants and flowers. Where are my plant and flower people on a stage? Nothing says sick production like flowers and plants. All right, so this is us in 2001. I think we got one of our, um, this is our first uh, portable campus or not. Well, I guess it was it's not, it was permanent, but portable. It was offsite. It wasn't our main campus at the high school. This was in Greystone. Um, but at that point we discovered that our stage design could be really, really helped along by, um, Home Depot. Anybody? Where are my Home Depot people? Like, yeah, you're like, ah, oh, it's some corrugated metals and plastics. Like the, you know, there's a guy at Home Depot who, know, who can see you coming a mile away. He's like, I'm getting ready to get some commission here. Um, so, okay, we got a little sales there and we've got just a couple of park hands on the floor and look at all of those wires, folks. I mean, it looks like we have just populated, uh, wow, just so many wires. It's just, who lives in Wiresville, USA? Anybody in where my, yeah. Oh, I just love them. I just love them. Okay. So that's us in 2005. All right, go to the next one. Oh man, here we go. This is towards the end of our, so I love this. Um, I guess a, in our photography, we hadn't really figured out exposure yet. <laughs> Either that or Pastor Chris is kind of operating in a very angelic space. Um, he just glows, his leadership glows and we just follow the glow. I love how we put the little rug on the stage right there because we probably sat in a creative meeting and said, hey, you know who'd make this 900 seat fine arts center at a high school feel really homey? It's like an oriental rug. They're like, yeah, yeah, we could really make it feel like a living room, this 900-seat auditorium with stadium seating 
if we put a rug on there and we're like, let's do it, guys. Let's go find the most homey rug that we can possibly find. And we'll be able to solve this problem of feeling like we're in high school. Anybody sat in those creative meetings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love those. You're like, we're talking ourselves into it. Like, we're solving problems here. Um, yeah, and look at that. So we used to actually change our set on a monthly basis, um, which was kind of an exciting time to be alive, just to live under that pressure. If you can see the drum cage over there, um, they're actually just these little foam panels that we would put around the, the front you know, cage and then just set on top. And then you just hoped that the drummer didn't like bump it when they came in or out and then knock the whole thing down like a house of cards. So we were a pretty like high tech environment back then. Like this was not jerry rigged um, or ghetto at all. And our camera that would ship our stuff to the campuses, you can see it right there, right in the middle in the bottom. Um, yeah. So when the tape was done, the guy would have to grab it to go send it off to the people who would drive it to the campuses where we had video services and they would have to just like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. We really have to go, excuse me. <laughs> and then they would hop on a motorcycle and they would drive it um, across the state. It was also very safe. All right. And then what do you have here? Um, I guess this is last night. Um, so crazy. All right. And the point of showing you this is what I do want to say is we've gone on a journey ourselves. We're all in different places on the journey. Um, and let me just say this, is that if you'd have showed me this picture back when we were in Mountain Brook High School at some of those earlier pictures, I would have thought two things. One of them was like, wow, that's us? That's crazy. Like, that's pretty neat. And then the other one, I probably would have been sad because they must have like found new people to do all this. <laughs> like they finally like hired some heavy hitters and like, I'm so excited for them that they have what I guess is my job. <laughs> like, I'm just so blessed for them. I mean, they families must be happy. They must be so fulfilled. And I'd like to meet them and shake their hands. Also, they got rid of the choir and bravo to them for that. No rugs on stage. And uh, would have just been like, wow, this is just really exciting that we'd taken this journey. Um, all that to say, you know, we didn't have to change the people, but we just took small steps. We just took small steps. We took the tools that were, we had in the season and tried to maximize the impact of them and kept going and going and going. And then we got in a better place than, than where we started. And, but the principles are kind of what, what helped us along the way. All right, you ready for some principles? And then I'm going to bring up the panel and we'll hopefully spend most of our time in dialogue and just making sure that we're able to add value in any way that you guys need. All right, first principle. Go ahead and throw it up there, guys. We always try to filter production through the vision, okay? Have you ever been somewhere where um, there was something that was creative, it was nice, but it didn't really feed the purpose of the gathering or the service? Yeah, it's a bell and a whistle that really doesn't draw your attention to anything except for the bell and the whistle, for the most part. And this is a tendency that we've had to contend with is that we'll see something cool somewhere, we'll go to a church, we'll go to a conference, and we'll say, hey, this is a really neat thing that we could do, but if it doesn't really fit into what our mission is and what our goal is as a church, um, then, then we really have not used the right filter, okay? So it's just an important thing that we have to, I think, because a lot of us love the toys. We like the technology. We get inspired by that, but how many of you know that we're better off when we're inspired by impact and not by the tool itself, right? The tool is secondary, and the tool sometimes can be a beautiful part of accomplishing the goal, but if we didn't start early on to define the goal, then sometimes we wander into, because the other thing about this, if, can we be honest and super real here for a minute? This stuff costs money. 
right? Sometimes we forget and we're like, I saw this thing. It was cool. We should get it. Why should we get it? Did I, did you not hear me say it was cool? <laughs> How much does it cost? It costs $300,000 if you want to get the high end, $287,000, which is a steal if you want to get the low end version. <laughs> but I knew a guy and I bet we could get it down to two eighty four, dollars and it, that will pretty much, we would be losing money if we just pass that bargain up. <laughs> All right. And whatever the scale is for us, we've been at different parts of that scale. Um, but then we have to just push, push pause and say, all right, for the investment we're going to make, does this accomplish the goals that we're trying to reach? And if not, sometimes we have to step back from cool and say, all right, this isn't where our next step is. This isn't helping us accomplish the goal based off of the cost and, and the impact that we hope to have. So we have to filter production um, through through the, the vision. I think some of these things should complement it, but not take the lead. Sometimes the tool, we want to put it in the spotlight when really the spotlight should never be on the tool itself. Everybody, everybody with me on that? Uh, a thing we have to cont contend with here in Alabama is who's our audience? Actually, we have kind of an ongoing debate as Alabama changes a little bit culturally is like, who are our audience and what needs do they meet? So we might see something cool at Hillsong in Sydney and we pass this video around. We say, hey, what about this? Isn't this really awesome? And then we have to go back to the point that it's Sydney, Australia, which is a major international city with a lot more progressive culture. And the church that we're planning in Fultondale, Alabama, slightly different context. I mean, it's close, Sydney, Fultondale, Sydney, Auburn, Sydney, and Tuscaloosa. It's so close, it's, but if you look close enough, you'll notice some differences <laughs> in the culture and just how people reach the culture. So if we just look to a progressive um, church in Miami and say that would work here, then we've missed it, right? That's another way that sometimes we forget to just filter um, through, through the vision. Like who are, who's our audience? Who are we trying to reach? Uh, because in Birmingham, we've come from a religious culture where people who had grown up in churches, even if they're not believers, have an idea of what church should be. And if in 2001, we had tried to become that picture of what we showed last, then people would have probably recoiled a little. It would have felt like that is too much. They wouldn't have been able to embrace it. Now we built it and we slowly morphed and it kind of then people came on the journey, but we've really created culture more than we've had to reflect it. Does that make sense? But it's taken time. And I think that there's a beauty and there's something great within that time frame. because have you ever had a friend who did like a makeover or like all of a sudden they changed so many things at once? Where did they change their hairstyle, their fashion? They got new. What do you think when you have somebody do that? Yeah. Yeah. You don't think that they really are in touch with their true identity. But how many of us, if we looked at a picture of ourselves 10 years ago versus today, have changed or morphed in some way? Well, most of us have, right? And that was probably natural. So I think as we change and grow and add more tools and add more resources and all those things, that it should be just steps instead of leaps. We rarely take leaps. We often take, take steps. Over 17 years, those steps have gotten us very far from our original um, starting point. We're in a new destination, but it was because of steps and it wasn't because of leaps. Okay, everybody, everybody with me? All right, uh, second thing that's been a great thing for us is we sweat the transitions. We sweat the transitions. So I want to just talk a little bit about transitions because um, we kind of, 
a lot of our churches, we have the same building blocks, which is we're going to have, uh, here, put up our service flow. I think there's a slide in there. Yeah, so for us, we've got a pre-roll. You could put countdown in there. Uh, maybe you have a countdown, maybe you don't. So we have just a little video that plays this five minutes long. It's got some pictures, some imagery from our cities and our communities, some messaging. It's got a song. And at the end of that song, people are standing up and clapping and they're really ready for worship. So it kind of primes them. We saw it at Hillsong years ago and actually adopted it and it's worked well for us in our culture. Um, and then we have praise and worship. We're going to have some kind of flow time for us. We have um, announcements, which we do video announcements, but last, or was it last week? Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, we had um, our campus pastors do the announcements live, so we didn't do video announcements. And uh, we'll have a message. And then for us, we do our offering at the end uh, because we want to give people the opportunity to say that they made a decision for Christ and then we can follow up with them, which if you were to do the offering for us earlier in the service, we wouldn't have that opportunity to follow up. Does that make sense? Okay. So we all have pretty much the same building blocks, wouldn't you say? Like most of these things are represented in our services. It's kind of like Mexican food. I mean, it's like, it's a taco, it's meat, it's lettuce, it's cheese. Um, it's a tostada. It's a flat shell. It's meat, it's lettuce, it's cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like, we really are calling it just different things. You're like, I'm, I want the taco salad. Okay, you want your shell in a different shape. Gotcha. <laughs> the ingredients are largely the same. Um, so what's the differentiator? For us, we know that the ingredients are good, uh, but have you ever had a great meal but had a horrible last bite? Anybody? Like, what does it make you think of the meal? It actually makes you refilter, like, the meal, which is fascinating. So a bad transition can actually ruin a good element. Like, we could put all the work into making something like an amazing experience that gets that we get people swept away in, the story of a video, a song, a moment that we've put so much work into, but we never figured out, like, we've, we've built up the landmass, and we've got another landmass on the other side of it, but we never built the bridge. And then we just fall off of a cliff. We've all been in a room where we've fallen off of a cliff, right? You know what they call it when you're driving in a car and you're moving in one direction and then it stops suddenly? A crash. <laughs> and when you crash, what do you get? Whiplash. Yeah, hurt. I guess you could, yeah, hurt works too. I'll fact check. True. Yes, you get hurt. Yeah, and so many times we're, we start moving people in a direction and then it just stops. And then it's like, boom. I mean, I've sat in churches where they've been a great praise and worship set, but then the band just stopped playing and then they're unplugging their instruments and walking off the stage. And I'm like now starting to get paranoid. Like the pastor is gonna, is he ziplining onto the stage from some <laughs> place that I can't see? And now I'm a little bit nervous, like, because I don't know, maybe I'm in his zipline line. And what if the zipline wasn't checked properly? I better be ready to catch a dude. Like, I don't know. Um, you know, pastors falling from the ceiling. It's a thing. So for us, we spend time, we have to sweat the transitions. We spend a lot of our time not just figuring out how to make a good element, uh, but how they, meet, how they would actually join together. So back to our, our service flow, where we would spend time. Uh, one of our principles that we've learned is that you have to match the energy between, now you can shift the energy, but originally you have to match them. So uh, relay races, you guys are familiar with relay race. You have a person who's running a lap. So a lap could be praise and worship lap. 
praise and worship lap goes, it's going to hand its baton off to the campus pastor or to somebody who's going to take us to the next thing because we're done singing together. So what would have to happen then is whatever energy we end with has to be carried into the next thing. So that means that when you're passing a baton between relays, what does the person who's getting ready to catch it do? They start running before they pass it off. Because if they didn't, what would happen? Somebody would break a wrist. Yeah, some guy's going to fly by and try to hand it to a perfectly stationary person and somebody's going to get hurt, okay? And it's not going to be a good baton pass. So it's like, how do we pass the baton? Well, you have to match the energy. So as one thing starts to slow down, the other thing needs to speed up and then you can transition it, okay? This guy may not have to run a sprint, but he is going to have to start jogging in order for that handoff to to actually work, okay? So we try to match the energy. So that means that um, in the pre-roll, people are standing up and clapping, And by the way, let me just qualify this. I'm not saying anything that we do is the best way to do it. I'm just, because I'm the guy on the stage and they ask me to be here, I'm just telling you what we do, okay? So you can watch our services online and you can see that we try to just find the moment as people match the energy, then the band meets the energy and actually overlaps it. So they wait, don't wait for something to end before they take the energy and they start crashing into the next thing. And then we transfer it to that, to, to the next, to the first song. And then from Pastor Chris, even at the end of his message, he's going to lead people and give them the opportunity to make a decision. Well, that's a very intimate moment, right? And then if you guys see the next thing is announcements and offering. So how do you go from this moment to all of a sudden talking about business? For us, it's just a really simple moment is that at the end of that intimate, spiritual, deep moment, Pastor Chris says, hey, let's all give a hand to those who made that decision for the first time. And everybody clap real quickly. And that clap seems like a small thing, but what it did is it took it from this moment and now we're into a horizontal moment. So that's just a little thing, but what it does is it, that feels natural instead of feeling abrupt or awkward. So it's like, all right, we have to just make sure as we plan a service, um, anything that we do, we just are very intentional about not just building the pieces and making them work, but how one piece interacts with the next piece. And it will even make some of the decisions for us. If we can't match the energy, then we might rearrange it so that we can. Okay. Everybody got it? All right. So we sweat the transitions. We don't want to leave a bad taste in anybody's mouth or give anybody a whiplash, AKA get hurt. All right, next thing, we want to synchronize the worship experience. So for us, um, there's a, uh, and I've got Chris Griffin back here, the man dressed in all black. Uh, Chris, wave your hand. Everybody see Chris. He's on our worship team. uh, And Chris actually helps with like a lot of the musical arrangements. And he's like a crazy musician. We're actually up there for the last song in the production booth today. And you were playing electric, right, lead? And all of a sudden, like I wasn't even paying attention to who was on stage. And then I heard somebody like stepping down scales to close out the electric riff. And then like, I think a couple guys looked up and I'm like, is Chris Griffin on? Yep, it's Chris. That's Chris. Chris, Chris is the one who is always just the artistry. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Well, Chris, uh, one of the things that the worship team has challenged themselves with is this concept called prosody. And it is a synchronization of lyrics and melodies and harmonies. It's that everything is working towards the same goal. So as you write music and as we create elements, that there should be, um, there should be a cohesiveness through the journey that everything feels like it's complementing each other. It's all woven in together, not sitting on top of each other, okay? And, uh, and that's something that we try to do in the worship. So, so let's say the first song is a praise song and the tempo of the lights is matching the tempo of the song, right? Because what is praise? 
It's, it's horizontal. It's us. That's what Pastor Chris was talking about. So again, at that point, since we're celebrating, we're not trying to put the attention vertical yet. But as soon as the, the music slows down, what are we trying to accomplish in worship? Connection with God, right? But how many times when we do that, we have a temptation in the production environments to try to compete for attention visually? Because the lighting person or the screen content or some of these other pieces or even how we're lighting what's on stage, we're essentially saying two different things at the same time. We're saying, let's focus on Jesus, but also check out this sick jump back. <laughs> like, I selected this thing. This is going to be dope. All right, everybody, everybody turn your eyes upon Jesus. Chicka, chicka, chicka. Oh, look forward to his marvelous grace. Check it out. <laughs> so, so the idea is that we have to harmonize it. Like everything, like what is the intention of that moment? And we've got to synchronize it. So when we actually, our philosophy of lyrics and songs is that we're putting the lyric of the next line up. So if the last line of a song is hallelujah. At what point do I need the word up on screen? If I've started the ha, and then they cut to the next line so that because our minds think ahead, right? We're trying to like, so if I'm at the ha, we don't ever just feel like we start a word. Once we've seen the ha, I know we're going to finish it with a hallelujah. Ish. That was close. I think I got off track on that. Still learning English. So instead of like waiting till they've sung the, the, the line, um, we will preempt the next one because we, again, we want you to worship, to participate. So the, this, even the lyrics are doing what? The, we would call the person who runs the lyrics, our pro presenter guy, a worship leader. It changes the mentality of the person doing that thing. They're not just putting lyrics on the screen. They are literally leading people into worship. We are giving you the opportunity. We are inviting you in to participate. This is what we are doing. And it like that level of intentionality actually helps people to enter into worship. But if we're not thinking that intentionally, what happens is we're just putting songs up because that's the lyric of the song. But, uh, you know, if we start a hallelujah and I'm at ha and I've already seen that part of it, I'm not just going to say, ha, what happened? Where'd it go? Like, <laughs> I'll be able to finish it, but now I can look ahead to the next thing and it invites me into worship. So we need to synchronize it. So the lights, everything about it, are we competing or are we trying to, what's the goal of the moment? And if the goal of the moment is that we're trying to put you on Jesus, that's why the, the song content, when it's a worship song, if you notice here at the conference, it's not doing a whole lot. It's not like we're trying to change the content up, the colors and the transitions. When we do transitions, it's usually between songs, okay? So we're trying to just make, weave it so that you don't even know, like great production, you shouldn't even notice. You know what I mean? It's just, I'm not even thinking about it. It's happening. And yet that feeling of intentionality is transferring that we are all worship leaders, everybody on a camera. So that means the camera is not getting just a sick shot. We, and this is extreme. I'm just going to say it. Okay. I'm now I'm not saying we're right, but we quit taking shots during worship leading of the keyboard player playing the piano. Cause again, is his five fingers, and gigantic knuckles leading me into worship? Maybe not. Now, do, do, well, as a production team, do we have a tendency to say, well, that kind of limits our creativity? 
Yeah, especially when we watch something else and we're like, man, that's pretty cool. Like, that's, I love that. I love that cut. Now, again, maybe we do love it and maybe we think it's great, but does it, does it accomplish the goal of what we're trying to do in that moment? And we have to ask ourselves those tricky questions. Is, is that about us or is that about them? Top Chef. Have anybody seen Top Chef, the show? Or any kind of like cooking show where they have to like be in a kitchen? What's the one thing that you have guys who are good at cooking one thing, um, but that what is usually their struggle? Communication, right? Remember, always, there's always the guy, the Gordon Ramsay guy who's yelling at them, you've got to talk to each other. Because <laughs> one guy's bringing his done steak and then he's like, where's the sauce? Where's the sauce? And he's like, who's got the sauce? They just make kitchens look like the most fun places to work. Like maybe the most stressful environment. It's like, I am a nuclear physicist. Oh man, that's gotta be tough. What are you, line chef? Woo, I get it. <laughs> so for us, one of the, the next principle is that, and this is honestly over the years been the most challenging for us. And I think it's been where we've had the most opportunity and continue to have the most opportunity for growth is clear and clean communication always wins. We've gotta be able to plate the food at the same time. Because if the steak's done 10 minutes before the sides, by the time you actually put it on a plate and deliver it, what's going to happen when you deliver it? Yeah, the steak could be cold. Or if, the, you know, the, there has to be, and again, I think the analogy works because different parts of the kitchen, they're doing different things. Isn't that production? Audio, what's happening on the stage with the worship team? We've got lighting, we've got video, we've got whoever's doing the songs, we've got whoever's triggering the content. You've probably got five, six, seven, depending on your level of complexity, people doing the same thing at the same time. And have you ever had it where you held up your end of the bargain for the thing that you're owning in that kitchen, but then somebody else didn't? And the temptation sometimes is to think of that as their problem. Like we would have great church services if it wasn't for Rick. Does anybody, is anybody else feeling that? I mean, don't tell Rick I said it, but I think he's the weak link. And sometimes in this environment, in the kitchen, we need to talk. We have got to talk in order to get the food plated hot and delicious and make it all work. And that means that we have to have hard conversations. That means that wherever we have lines of communication during the week that are broken, uh, we've got to resolve them. We've got to figure out how to communicate effectively to our volunteers. Uh, because, you know, we've got people who aren't thinking about it all week. They're thinking about feeding their families, but then they show up Sunday and we have been thinking about it all week. They haven't. And then how do we transfer? So like, what are, what are the things that we do? Um, even on a Sunday morning for us, sometimes it feels like we're redundant in the amount of meetings that we have pre-service to be able to communicate this and just get everybody on the same page. And then where we have broken lines of communication, we need to fix them. And that means it's humility. That's not saying it's your fault. It's not pointing fingers. It's saying, how can we get better together? Where are the gaps in communication? And, uh, and we can talk more about that in, in a little bit. Um, I think that's it. I got one more point, but it's kind of, eh. um, all right, what I want to do is um, invite us to talk it out, y'all. And I'm going to bring up a couple of people to help me talk it up. Um, Brian Worcester, why don't you come up? Adam Hobson. So Brian, um, 
Brian used to be a lighting director, traveled around the country doing shows and arenas and all those kind of things. And then he married a Southern girl and that incentivized him to actually come on staff and live in the South. We're very grateful for that. And he's our experienced director, serves on our creative team to kind of help um, take ownership over like for our keys behind the scenes, just making sure that again, all those communication lines, people are talking and that everybody's set up for success. And, and he's kind of a linchpin. And I'm not sure what you do. Great beard though. And I just wanted you to see it. Just a great beard. Now, Adam, um, Adam actually came through our Highlands College and um, how long have you been on the production team staff? 2012. So that's seven years, give or take. And uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, but Adam has been one of those guys, homegrown, um, who just from Hueytown, Alabama, who loved getting into production and then just had an affinity for like on our LED walls and stuff like that. You know, he's a lot of, he's solving those problems. Tonight at the after party, they've got some like projection mapping fun stuff. Sorry if that's like a spoiler alert. Um, but Adam's the one who's here till Adam's the one who's here till two in the morning, like trying to figure out how to do that kind of thing. Um, literally not figuratively. <laughs> so if he dozes off during this, then you'll know why. Um, but anyways, these guys have a lot of uh, more of the technical side of the, this, this equation than I do. Uh, but just want to spend a little bit of time and we've got some microphones. Yes. To pass around for Q and a, um, and then let's just talk it out and anything, that you guys want to talk about? Let's talk about it. Yes, ma'am. Hi. Hi. I'm Lauren. Um, so I am not technical. Yeah. I'm more so. Ha <laughs> Not I know. techies. I know. So, Good um, people. I more so run kind of like the run of show. Yeah. And kind of the communication. We do not have a confidence monitor. Yeah. I am. But I wanted to know more about um, how... We're supposed to have a 90-minute service. Mm-hmm. Supposed to. Supposed to. Yeah, I love that. And we are getting to a point now where all this beautiful hair is going to be gone because we keep going over. Right. So So the question being, without a confidence monitor, like how do you keep everybody on time? One, how do you keep everyone on time? And two, you all have confidence monitors. I know where they sit. I haven't seen them, of course, because I'm not on stage. Yeah. But monitors. Adam, you are the confidence monitor guy. Okay, so he dreams in confidence monitor. <laughs> like all of his dreams are on a confidence monitor with a countdown. So he knows he's got like only three more hours to dream. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, so for a normal service, we typically have the current slide, which so the current slide that you guys are seeing on screen. And then we have the next slide for the band. So if it's like an instrumental or something, and we're not showing any slides on the screens, the band can at least know the next slide. Um, we, that's pretty much the same layout we use for speaking to. So when Pastor Chris was on stage last night, he had a slide on his television, and then he had the next slide on the confidence, and then the slide after next on the confidence. So he can basically see three slides. And on the confidence monitor, so we have current slide, next slide, and tonight if you want, but we have a, a countdown and at the time. So I'm not sure if that helps you keep, uh, so, so basically for us, for a normal service, we have to stay on time for a lot of reasons. So one is like the parking lot situation here is pretty crazy. So like every minute we like go long, it's like people can't like flipping the parking lot. Here's a challenge. So we have a lot of that, those things that help us. And kids in nursery. Right. But again, part of it is that vision helps us be disciplined. 
So it's like, if your goal is a 90, per, 90 minute service, how can you create vision of where, where are we being undisciplined with our time? And let me just say, we're not perfect because at campuses where they don't have that, sometimes we'll um, have a campus pastor who has on paper five minutes for a little bit of a flow time with their campus and they will go 12. And you're like, huh, seven, seven is a lot of minutes over. That's crazy. Um, so what one thing we're trying to do right now, this is going to sound a little heavy handed perhaps, um, is we're recording every service at every campus. And when you, I don't know if anybody ever played sports, but if you ever played sports, did you ever look at the tape afterwards? Yeah. So it's not just to say we didn't win. You can say, but here's why we didn't win. <laughs> Let's look at the tape. So now we're actually going to use that as a coaching tool to say, all right, so what happened in 12 minutes and then what was fluff and then what was vital? And that way you start tracking like what, what where was the, where, you know, where am I getting off track? Um, and then sitting down and trying to help everybody understand, here's the vision, here's the goal. When we do this, we get outside of the vision and the goal and nobody wins. So it, it, you have, yeah, it takes accountability. Otherwise, there's no motivation to change. Without change, there's no growth. And we're... Ugh, all right. To say Pastor Chris is an on-time machine is an un understatement also. Uh, yeah, I would, yes. I would say he's an on-time machine. Yes. Uh, so two quick questions. One, uh, a lot of churches that I've talked to are getting into integration as far as like um, Ableton and ProPresenter and Lighting. If your philosophy is kind of we want everyone to operate in their purpose and you want dream teamers to be able to do what dream teamers do as far as lighting and sound and stuff, what is integration but also allowing team members the freedom to do that? Yeah, we do use integration now. And I'd say, what, we're, how, how many years have we really been serious about it? Two? Yeah. on the screens. Yeah. But the, the other part of that is it still takes people to create that. So somebody still has to create the light cues that get triggered by via Simpty. And um, it's for us, it's better to have like, a, if we are going to have a song that's going to be an impressive moment, more cued out, it's a better environment for those hits to happen on beat. Because if they don't, then it like totally takes you out of it especially people in this room. Like, you all know when it's not on beat. And I like to think that we'll subconsciously feel that as well. So that's why it's a big deal for us. Yeah, and um, you talked about the importance of transitions. And one yeah. of the things I've kind of noticed, uh, this is my third art conference, is how you handle the, as far as like when there's a prayer at the end or when the moment is building, yeah. um, you time it very, very well as far as like with the person that's praying or something like that, how do you pull that off? Is it, there's a it's mic in the drum booth or what? What's it's going on communication there? beforehand. Usually we, before we get up there, where we're going with it. And then everybody is communicated to thoroughly so that the production team knows we're going back into the song so that the cameras aren't just like, Oh my goodness, where's what's happening. Um, and that the speaker knows we, we try to even define what part of the song we're going back into so that lyrics can know we're going into the bridge. So we try to ask as many critical questions up front that give us information to set us up for success because we're not just superhuman. Like if we don't know something's going to happen, we'll be as just as surprised and caught off guard as anybody. And then you're scrambling. If somebody calls for a graphic that we don't have loaded, it's not like we can just pull it from Adam's dream confidence monitor. We have to. <laughs> but 
Go ahead. No, sorry. But also at the same time, like the music director on stage is talking into a microphone that only the band can hear. And anyone wearing a headset is listening to the MD as well. So it's no surprise to the production people that we're going back to the bridge. Yeah. And you're feeling it out. This is happening in real time. We think he may be going up to it. Everybody's building and then he steps off from the ledge and everybody just steps back a little bit. It's an exciting time to be alive. <laughs> All right. We got some more questions. Yes, sir. Uh, so I guess it's a question more directed to you. Um, so like as a creative, um, sometimes we have ideas um, and you get pushback from the technical people that are working on that idea. Um, like for like, Last couple of weeks, it's been, I've been having that same situation, been like having to keep up the slack of, okay, now I got to learn how to do this as well, which is fine. But I mean, I'm just wasting more energy and more time when, like, how can I get that person on board? Or what would you recommend to try to get that person on board uh, with the vision you have? Yeah. I mean, over the years, we've had some people who seem to be just bent on being a little bit of an obstacle. Like they won't get on board, but essentially like Adam, the reason that Adam is in the, when you find out the technical thing, but that he is somebody who's a problem solver. And if you bring him in on the vision early enough and say, here's what I think we want to accomplish. What are the tools available? Or what are the, like Adam will literally be the kind of person who say, this is tricky. We may have to try a new technology. Let's start figuring it out. So we're looking for people who have that mindset and then you use what you can. I mean, we had a guy in a key role for a while who didn't make that turn and we didn't have a replacement for him. And it just took four or five years of us trying to get him there. Never quit on him. But then when we found somebody else who could do that thing and do it in a way we changed, you know, we, we, we had to change out his role. So again, you can only use the tool that you have in your hand for now. But then you also say this job requires another tool and you might start building up a somebody who has the ability to, to be more elastic that way so that you can have more flexibility in the future to do those things. Anything else there? Like me, I think our natural, like I'm, I'm just like a tech guy, like naturally. And I think our natural tendency is to like play it safe, you know, like me and like the, and, and you probably could would, would clash ultimately, right? But I think that, you know, you just have to, try to get your tech people to buy into the overall vision of like, like, so the projection mapping thing was tough, right? And we, we set it up and we were here all night and what worked, what was right on paper wasn't really right in real life. And, but I think ultimately we had like 15 people who are like me, tech guys, but they were bought into the vision of creating an after party for you guys. And so I think that helps a lot. And, um, Here's a non-production example, but we found out we were doing more in our lobbies, like experientially, like posters, vinyls, all this stuff. And I met with the people who are ultimately putting those things up and realized that we were never talking to them about the why. They're always like, man, you guys are just more of this. And do y'all know it's kind of hard? Like, it's kind of a pain? Like, we're, it's just a lot. And then, and then we realized what, and then I spent like an hour with them and just talked a little bit about the strategy behind it. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, if I'd have known that, we would have been excited to do that for you. Like, now we're good, bro. And I'm like, well, I'm glad we're good. Because we're doing it anyways. But, um, but again, it, it reminded me that sometimes the technical sides get so far down the road that they don't have the buy-in that we have. They see it as they're, they're putting legs to our vision, which is not the most inspiring thing in the world because <laughs> we're wired to take ownership. So it's like, how can we, you know, when we're at our best, we're, we're partnering. 
like we did our live worship album and we did some things that we'd never done before. And it was after the fact we all debriefed the process of it and said, this is the best we've ever done because nobody felt like they were getting dragged into anything in a very busy season, but everybody was energized by it instead of nobody was depleted. But I think it was because we did such a good job of making everybody feel like what their part of it of the project was, was vital and important and that they could put their fingerprint on it. Not just do what our fingerprint, like it has to look like us. It looked like every team partnering together and it was beautiful. That's not always the case. Um, Yeah. Who's got the mic? So this is more of a culture question than a technical question. I noticed that you take up the offering at the end. Yeah. Um, At our church, we don't take up the offering at the end. We do it in the middle and transitions have been a huge topic of discussion in our staff meetings. Um, but we do have uh, the connection cards taken up at the end by the ushers. Yeah. How did you get people into a culture of waiting till the end to give that offering? I mean, obviously, y'all are not going broke around here. So, obviously, they're they're still giving. Um, yeah. I mean that in the nicest possible way. No, no, I know way. what you're saying. Like, but right how now, you, how in this room, like, we're literally preaching under the big top. Right, um, right. So, how did y'all get people into that culture of not just leaving when the altar call started— because yeah. that our ministry time starts as we call well, it we now. try to always make worship or the offering tie it to worship. Right. So again, I think that once you do something over time, people get used to it. When you start on time, people show up on time. So it's like we can either bend to the culture or create the culture. Because um, we had for years people showing up late, and we're like, you know, well, we just we start on time, and eventually, if we do that, I think people will figure it out. I can't get a good seat if I don't show up on time. It's just truth. Um, so again, for us, it was just that we'd made a decision to do that. And then we just put all of our eggs in that basket. And eventually I think that trained the, in the culture, we say, Hey, you know, we are going to worship together. We tried it. Pastor Chris will even say, Hey, we'd love for everybody to stay and be a part of this. Cause our, we're going to close and worship. And we do a full song. We used to do like 90, just like 60 seconds offering pass. Well, that didn't really feel like we'd given people an opportunity to worship. We gave them an opportunity to sing for a little while longer while we worked, which was to pass buckets. So we actually went back to singing an entire song, which let's actually, the buckets are done and gone, and we've still got two more minutes of worship left. That helped too. All right, yes. What are, what are the key elements to focus on when creating a worship experience without making it seem like a production? Um, Catering for the crew. Always the first step. (laughs) I mean, we literally, like for the worship team, it's stage. The stage can change people. Yes, no, anybody ever seen that experience? Like where, um, so again, one of the things that we do is that we really take the um, side of that and then we pray together and we really, we actually demand quite a bit from people, not just from on the stage, but within the process of, of being a partnering in what we're trying to accomplish, always keeping the why in front of us. I think, I think it's things like that. Honestly, it's, you know, there's not a great answer other than we always keep it in front of us. We even have signs that are every stage uh, that say that, you know, thank you God for choosing me. It's a privilege to be on this team as a reminder, because we can forget it and we could think it's about something that it's not about. And that's where you start getting into a show versus a ministry like where, Hey, this is about what's happening in people's hearts. And it's not about my status or whether or not I got to sing the solo. And eventually people here who come in those waters end up going into a different pool. 
because we're not going to play that way. We're just, it's not going to be part of our culture. We can't just say, yo, but they're a really great musician. They're so divish and they're really destructive to the team, but we can't lose their ability to riff. But another practical step for that is that our very first creative meeting for Christmas or Easter is not what is the latest thing we saw on The Voice or on American Idol or at Disney World or anything like that is what are Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, What are the the filters that we're going to view success for this event? Yeah. And, and so, the filters are thing like joy, like, it, you know, it, diversity, like all those things, like those are the things that push it, not awesomeness. Yeah. All right. What else? Yes. Um, we find that uh, with the technical side, as far as uh, back of the house, slides, that kind of thing, a lot of our potential volunteers are hesitant, um, regardless of how you know, easy or user-friendly those interfaces may be. Um, how do you recommend we go about overcoming that hesitance uh, so that we can build those teams? You mean because of the pressure or the tools that they're unfamiliar with maybe? Adam, why don't you speak to our training yeah, process? Yeah, so we, we partner with the worship team. Um, it was formerly called Infuse. They've rebranded it. It's called Development. So basically every Thursday night, Worship, the worship department has a program that they use to train up musicians and worship leaders. And we use that as a really safe time to train up production guys. So they run through a full set a lot of, like once a month. It's once a month. I have like a worship night. We do like the full pre-roll and everything. It's just a really safe environment for those to fail, but there's really no pressure behind it. Be comfortable with the right, tools. Right, right, in right. a no-pressure environment. Right. And then what we've tried to do here is just like make the production booth like – just open. So if people are interested in the team, they can just come and hang out on Sundays. Obviously, we can't let them interfere with what we're doing, but, you know, we have... What's that button do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but like, I, like, I remember it. It was kind of like a, a place where, like, nobody went there, you know? So we try to just keep it fun, and, you know, we have to focus on the job. But, you know, we have tons of... Pretty much every Sunday, we have someone who's either interested in the team or is in the training process. So we try to just make people comfortable, I guess. And you have to be careful, especially with volunteers, of how, when a mistake is done, we handle it. Right, right, right. Like, what we found is that if you somebody makes a mistake and you overreact on it, it actually increases the chances they make another mistake. Because all of a sudden now they're shook. And shaky people, or you don't want shaky people pushing <laughs> buttons. Hey, <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, you just freak, you freak out. Like, so in the production environment, we even try to, as a rule, stay calm. And, you know, every once in a while, you have the tendency to freak out. And somebody's just got to take lead and say, all right, let's, what's the problem? Let's solve it. Let's be proactive. We don't need four people running around just like, where was the problem? Like, all right, everybody stay at your station. Who can pop up and start trying to diagnose whether, you know, the screen went dead or something like that? Let's start just troubleshooting it. And instead of maybe taking an error or a problem and compounding it by now the switchers trying to figure out what's happening with the stream while we're staying on the same camera shot for three minutes, like you just switch and you go figure out why screen's not working. Yeah, we'll try to like get, get the train back on the tracks and then talk about it later. Talk we'll, about we'll, it later. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out after the service. You know, we'll figure out why it happened. But that doesn't, it's a given. Right. Like, so you, you can take stress and you can either pass it down or you can swallow it and just handle it in the moment and keep everything calm 
and then later on figure out what needs to change happen. Do we need to replace equipment or do we need to replace a person who just constantly is, you know, it's just not their thing. And that's okay. It's not everybody's thing. And let's find a place that is your thing. It's not like we're discarding you and you just can't be a part of this. Just go away. You're good at something. Just not buttons. All right. Uh, microphone, who's got it? Yeah. You have a microphone? Go ahead. You can okay. say it. Well, I have. Okay, I have two questions, which they're kind of back-to-back. We're in a portable environment. Yeah. Uh, very growing. We have no paid technical people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've des- I've pretty much built yeah, I'll run it. it. I, you know, basically work on other stuff that needs to get done. Um, those people, like you said, don't always sit in the spot. Don't right. always... Um, what is your advice for like lighting? We were, we have it very simplified. Like we have 12 LED color lights, but they're one, two, three. Yeah. That's it. So I was going to separate it and create effects that could be used um, later and kind of got shut down because they started seeing some implementations of the effects before we got to really restructure the whole lighting board. They got scared, I guess the creative team or the leadership team Um, to simplify it enough, like for a performance base. Cause I'm not like, you know, if you just hit Q, 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 you have no creativity with the lighting board. It's just Q based, create the effects in the Q. Yeah. For us, that's, I mean, that's where we started. It was one look per song. And yeah. Actually, when I came on, it was like uh, almost ten years ago. It was there was one look for songs one and two, and a second look for three and four. Um, and because we, we had a BOGO deal, if you got yeah. one song, you got the second song free. <laughs> it's true. It made it way easier to program too. Mm-hmm. But but we just, just so we money. do have a base look, and we just add effects on top as an operator is capable of doing it. But we also. Uh, on the there's a look sheet that goes out for the weekend and they'll spell out like what effect should be done for this song and it's all pre-programmed into the desk they can probably show you a better example of that at the lighting console we right. talked to griffin out there and he can show you but it's a base look we add on as someone has potential so i guess my question is how do you get from like i'm a creative and technical person which is a weird combination so I'm always coming up with new ideas that we could do with the technology we possess. Mm -hmm. So that was where the idea, why is all this stuff lumped into one channel when it could be separated? And then it was like, oh, wait, I don't want to confuse the people who are already operating. But I couldn't convince them I could do it exactly the same way it's set up now. All I'm doing is expanding capabilities. Like you kind of channel that to your leadership? Well, I think the short answer is that, I mean, we, uh, we've all probably had things that we thought we could impact, but at some point didn't have the trust and or credibility yet to just get the confidence. It's like now, if I were to tell Pastor Chris, I'd like to change this, he'd probably just say, sure, yeah, man, knock yourself out, have a good time. 10 years ago, he'd say, well, is that really your thing? <laughs> I'd never done it before. It took me literally 10 years of trying to just get that trust and credibility to where now when I say, can I give you an example? In 2010, we had carpet on our stage. We recorded a live album with patterned carpet, not black carpet, oh, that- patterned on the stage. Like our live like album thing, I was just, I'll look at it sometimes and just say, well, that happened. <laughs> 
and when it came time to go, you know, make the stage black, I pitched it for two years before finally, you know, I said, yeah, man, go for it. I mean, it took that long before people trusted. And then at the end of the day, it wasn't Pastor Chris, but it was some other people who are, you know, stewardship minded. I'm not against what they were trying to accomplish, but they're like, hey, this seems a little risky. Should we just bridge it by doing black carpet instead of black staging? And I was like, no, no, we should do the black staging. This is industry standard. This is not a big thing. And then, um, I mean, it just, and then when we did it, it, now, because it worked out and it was fine, I get credibility into other things. People don't just, are nervous because Kellen has a crazy guy. It's like, yeah, he does his research, he handles his business, and he's not just taking us off on weird tangents. Because we're portable, I think it's a little harder because we don't have time to come in and practice. There's no, no but I'm just saying the trust yeah. and the credibility comes with time. Yeah. I think that's what you seek. Yeah, yeah you, you may not be there where you can just get your leadership to just say, yes, go for it. I think it could be a goal that could happen just the more you produce and deliver and then that you get build confidence. And then all of a sudden you're getting empowered in ways you can't even feel or see right now. One of or my second question, kind of along with his question about the, you know, the spirit moving, you said something that really got me. Like if the pastor goes over, it could mess up parking. Mm-hmm. Right. But when the Holy spirit decides to start moving, you know, Oh, now we're going to get theological. You yeah. had to do it. Should you? Just, you should you? It. Should which one? Which one? Which one do you kind of? Oh man, do I don't you want. Your team I, you don't want to do it. Um, to push one direction over another. <laughs> okay, I mean we no, yeah, we do three songs. At what point can the Holy Spirit like show Himself up and in worship have somebody have a God moment? Um, and feel the presence of God. Is it four songs, five songs? Because we used to do five, six songs. Now we do three. And every step, it felt like we were crossing some invisible blasphemous line that you could. And we've just found that there's still the people, because we pray and we fast and we pray for people, that God isn't like, he's like, guys, I can't do, you've just given me three songs to work with. <laughs> that a lot of times we're having to be stretched that if we come spiritually prepared and we're praying for people and fasting um that in those three songs we have just as many people saying hey i came to church about to kill myself and then it was in that second it was that song when all of a sudden the presence of god was right there and it just i got a vision of where my heart was and what god was offering me the grace that was available and i just broke down and wept it didn't change with the amount of songs god is god and again I, i don't want to I don't want to get into too too much of that, but that's, I guess, my short answer. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm going to go in a completely different, not completely different direction, but so there's only me and one other guy and then another kid from college who sound. Yeah. And then the one guy who runs sound with me trained me. Um, and I learned on that little baby right there, that yeah. little TF1. But, and we're portable and we're kind of like that slide where you said you change scenes mm-hmm. every month. My question is, 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 I did it because I decided my friend John um, needs help. So yeah. I just jumped in and I learned. And for about six, eight weeks, I just fig- I did what I could to figure it out on my own. What do you do when you're about the size of a 200-person congregation and you're, you need desperately need more production people? What is your strategy? I mean, now I can see, like, you can pull people in. It looks really cool. You got the booth. You got. I mean, I was oohing and on over everything as I walked by it all. I'm like, yeah. it's toys, man. It's cool. But yeah. at this point, like, we can't get into our high school to teach somebody on that right. puppy. 
because they're doing their own thing. Um, so what's your advice to get more people? And I know I've heard things like steal from other departments, but, you know, like cross train. I, I have been but accused of doing such things in my life. but Never, 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 never. But I don't like, think it was stealing as much as borrowing, cross partnering, increasing partnerships. Yes. I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a silver bullet because uh, at every stage we've had the same, you yeah. know, um, before we brought Brian on as an LD, we were using people really, even in this building, people who were very inexperienced to this scale. Um, so we've had the same challenge. I just say that you continue to try to develop people. Find the people who may have that ability and even in a raw form and it's messy and there's no way to just get a ringer. Sometimes they have to grow into it. We have ringers who started out. I mean, our, one of our video guys who is a key part of our team does a lot of the final edits that you guys are lighting guy in my middle school ministry in 2003. And it was back when lighting was just up, down, not yeah, and now he's the solution to some of our problems because we just gave him at the scale and a job to do. And then, but again, when we found him, we didn't know he had the current potential that he had. I think the point is, is that by giving people the opportunities, we have to, Shakespeare said it this way. It's a ridiculous segue. <laughs> he said, we know what we are, but not what we may be, which I think is God's way. The way he said it is he's able to do measurably more than what we can even see or imagine. So I think even as we mine potential in the people around us, I, when Adam was in Highlands College, I didn't think like would be having this partnership. He didn't have the skills he has now. He just had the heart. And we had to, we had to just walk him through. And there's some messy moments throughout the journey. When you do it that way, instead of bringing in the finished version, we had to bring in the baby bearded version of Adam. <laughs> And the baby bearded one didn't know all the things that the current version knows. So I think in our production environments, the grace and just that I've got a vision for you. We can get better and then just believe in people, give them the opportunities. And then we've had 10 atoms that didn't end up take them, taking that journey. But I don't feel like we lose when that doesn't pan out. That's not my job to see the outcome. It's my job to plow the field. Plow, yeah. And I, so I just have to be optimistic that there's something in the people around me and I've just got to do the messy work of trying to mine it and figure it out. And then, and then beyond that, you know, I do what I can do and then God meets me with that and meets the other people with that. And then hopefully we get somewhere. Always, there has to be. Without it, we're toast because failure's baked into the dish. Um, if you think that this conference has gone 100% perfectly, LOL. Uh, yeah, I failed. And so, yeah, you have, if I'm going to get, take permission, I better give permission too. Otherwise, we're not growing because the first time we do anything, we're not going to do it to the best. That's what I'm saying. The first time we do anything, we were not great at it. So we can't have the expectation when we get these people who don't know the things that we know or the experience to act like they have it. That's unrealistic. And I think it actually throttles their growth, whereas we need to just create ceiling space. Let them have a little room. Encourage them. Be proactive. I don't love failure but I accept it as a cost of doing business. Then I'm the buffer between me and them. My job is to say, I hear what you're saying and we're going to get better. We, and here's the plan. I'm going to tell you what we're proactively doing, but I believe in this person. This is just, we're in the process. We're on the journey. So, you know, yeah, I've, we've been in that boat. Like I've, somebody's got to be an advocate. Jesus is an advocate for me to God. Um, who am I between? Like, who am I advocating for? Like, hey, I see potential in this guy and I'm going to fight for him.
Nah, this guy keeps messing up and making me look bad. <laughs> Kick off the boat. <laughs> um, done, done, done. Um, who has? Uh, we done or are we done? Okay, yes, sir. I like it. Since you s- go for it. Yeah. Brian. I think a good place to start is if you are asking that question, it's probably too much. <laughs> and I'm, I promise, like, I'm not trying to be snarky with that answer at all. Like, I really am not. But if you sit back and you just are wondering, is that loop too fast? Is this, does it really need this right now? That like, is that probably is... coming into your head as a reaction to something yes. you're internally feeling. Yeah. The artist in you is like, no, it's awesome. And then the reasonable <laughs> it's like oh, I wish it didn't feel yeah. that way yeah I mean it is lighting is a like for me from an artistic creativity point of view is very difficult to stand because I I feel things more than I can communicate to you why it's technically good or bad you know much to Griffin who's running lights chagrin like because I'm like yeah not so much but every once in a while um, but, I think it's you, all the time we have, let me just say, let me just, let me just say one thing. I know many of you guys wear multiple hats and that you guys are working with um, resource scarcity and human scarcity of you know, resources financially or, and also people. And just let me um, honor you for the work that you're doing to try to wring the most out of the resources that God's given you in the production environments and to steward the people and to really fight for making things you know, one of my favorite sayings is that everything speaks. And I think that production is a great example is that you have an opportunity to really represent the church and then by proxy represent God in that space. And line, um, many of you are doing that and wrestling with these tension points and developing people. You're in a, the people development business as well. There's a lot going on. It's technical. It's people. It's pastoral. It's you're, you're literally creating environments for people. It's, it's complicated. And for you guys to be here wrestling with it, you know, hopefully this added some value um, in any way. That would be our prayer. And just thank you guys for, for what you do. And God bless you guys. And hope you enjoy the rest of the conference.